The Razorback football team adds two big-time transfers onto their football roster next year. The Razorback basketball team bounces back in a major way on the road against LSU. And a little recap of the sports weekend. It's all coming up on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com. Turn to learn more. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. And uh, if you're a Razorback fan, you got to be really excited about all the things that happened over the weekend. And normally, I would start off the Monday podcast with recapping the Razorback basketball game, which was phenomenal within itself. And we will talk about that probably in the second segment of today's podcast. But this news with the football team is so big that I almost don't even want to like, you know, I don't want to shortchange it. Like, I don't want to you know, kind of set it aside and wait until later to talk about it because let's be honest, as good as the Razorback basketball team uh, and that win was on Saturday, what happened on Sunday with these players transferring in is what all the Razorback fans are extremely excited about as well as the basketball team too. So just thinking about that and, and starting with that element where former Alabama linebacker Drew Sanders, we think we talked about him last week, there was a good possibility that he would be transferring in. He officially announced yesterday afternoon that Arkansas is his destination. He's 6'5", 244 pounds. He entered the transfer portal on January 11th, the day after uh, Alabama lost to Georgia in the national championship game. Started three games in two seasons, had 33 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and one sack. He also signed with Arkansas over Alabama, Oklahoma, LSU, Georgia, Notre Dame, Oregon, Penn State, as well as other programs. Uh, pretty good list. Just going to throw that out there. And he's out of Denton, Texas, uh, Ryan High School. ESPN originally rated him as a four-star prospect, the number four athlete, and the number 36th overall prospect in the nation in the 2020 class. Uh, some, if you look at, you know, I think it's 247. I think they had him at a five-star coming out of high school. But still, he was selected to the Under Armour All-American game. And he visited Arkansas on Wednesday afternoon and Thursday morning before visiting Oklahoma that afternoon in Texas on Friday. So he visited Arkansas first, then went to Oklahoma, then went to Texas and still decided that Arkansas was the place he wanted to be. His best game came in uh, a 31-29 victory over at Florida this past year. He had six tackles, one tackle for loss, and one quarterback hurry. So starting with him, I can't. nobody can state how big this is. Like, this is bigger than getting a freshman linebacker that's a four-star. Like, you're getting a guy that was good enough to not only play at Alabama, but to start a few games at Alabama in football on a national championship team the previous year and, of course, the national champion runner-up this year. And knowing that Alabama at the linebacker position just puts them out like crazy. I mean, they're signing five stars like it's going out of style. I, I mean, you know, Nick Saban always talks about how he doesn't always just bleep out another player, crap out another player, if you know, if you wanted to know what the actual bleep was or something. You get what I'm saying. But still, 
he says that, but it's kind of true. Like, that's kind of what they do. They just reload every single year, and the linebacker position has been one of the biggest position groups that they've been able to not only have high-level success at, but every single year putting out first-round draft picks, All-Americans, whatever. I mean, you could just go down the list of some of the linebackers that Alabama has had, and you'll be – you just there's so many to choose from. You can't even tell who's the best. And the fact that this kid was able to be in that same group. Like, it wasn't like he was the walk-on, like a preferred walk-on. It wasn't even like he was just a, a fourth-string linebacker that never got to play and just looked to find a new home, and there he is. Like, he actually had legitimate game time for the Crimson Tide. Now, was he their stud linebacker? No. Was he their best linebacker? No. But how I look at it as if you're good enough to get on Nick Saban's roster and to play and to start, no matter the position, you're good enough for me. Come on over. We'll take you because not only will you play, you will start every game. You will be featured. You'll be our main guy. You'll be the leader. Like all those things. Like you could come on over and we'll we'll make it happen, buddy. Like we're going to put it all together. You are going to be great. You're going to be a, a guy that's going to be featured so much here at Arkansas. And that's not a bad thing. It's not like you're getting the sloppy seconds of Alabama. And honestly, I don't mind. I don't mind getting sloppy seconds from Alabama. Like, that's what you would want. If you're building a roster, if you're getting back to the point to where you want to be as competitive as you were last year or even build upon that same roster, then that's the type of player that you are totally fine taking from somebody else, especially when you needed so much help there. Bumper pool's coming back, and now you got Drew Sanders, buddy. Your linebacking core is going to be just fine this upcoming year. Now, you could use another linebacker. Maybe it'll be somebody that will be already on the roster that'll step up. Maybe they'll go into the transfer portal once again. Don't really know. But there was a lot of times where Arkansas played the 4-2-5 defense anyways. So, you know, they may be just fine with uh, keeping with those two guys. But still, just what a get. What an absolute get for Sam Pittman and his staff. I can't tell you how the mood has changed with Razorback football fans from just a week or so ago, talking about Joe Fouché and Greg Brooks. Oh, man, what is going on? This is horrible. What, what are the NIL? We're not paying these players. Blah! Come on. Like, you think that these guys would be coming to Arkansas if they had all these major issues that people were trying to make it out to be? They don't give enough money to the players. So you're telling me this Alabama player who had Texas and Oklahoma offers is going to say, ah, you know what? Oklahoma and Texas, they were going to pay me some money probably a couple thousand, but I want to go to Arkansas. They're not going to pay me anything. I'm going to go there for free. No, no, it has nothing to do with the NIL. It has nothing to do with Sam Carter, which we'll talk about another player here in just a second. It has nothing to do with that stuff that people were trying to swirl around on the, on the interwebs and the Twitter machines. It straight up comes down to wanting to play and finding the situation that's best for you. And Joe Fouché and Greg Brooks went to LSU. I don't think they went to LSU other than the fact that LSU was their home state and that's where they wanted to go because it was their dream school. That's I think that's what it honestly just chalked it up to be. Nothing to do with NIL, nothing to do with playing time, nothing to do with any of that. Just straight up, they wanted to go to LSU their whole lives. I think that's that. And speaking of LSU, the other player that Arkansas was able to get from the transfer portal yesterday was Dwight McLaughlin. I'm going to have a trouble saying that name, so just stay with me because I, for some reason I've been trying to pronounce it in my head over and over and over again. I've still had issues with it. But uh, he's a cornerback, and just a few hours later yesterday, from yesterday when uh, Drew Sanders made his decision, this kid made his decision to also attend Arkansas. He's 6'2", 186. He's out of Spring, Texas, and he entered the transfer portal on this past Tuesday. 
He arrived Fayetteville in Fayetteville this past weekend on his official visit. He was a sophomore in LSU last year, has three seasons of eligibility remaining, which also, by the way, uh, Drew Sanders also has three years of eligibility remaining. But uh, Dwight was a ESPN four-star prospect in the 2020 class, picked LSU over offers from Arkansas, Florida, Michigan, Southern Cal, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and other programs. Okay, that's pretty good. Pretty good. I like that. He started six games and played in 10 in the 2021 season. He had 32 tackles, two tackles for a loss, one interception, and five pass breakups. He returned an interception, 37 yards for a touchdown during the Tigers' win over Florida this past year. Arkansas cornerbacks coach Sam Carter was his lead recruiter. Well, looky there. How about that? He was also the fourth player to transfer to the Razorbacks this offseason and the second from LSU because we know Landon Jackson was the other one on the defensive line slash linebacker position where he's going to be. Also, Jaden Hazelwood from Oklahoma and now Sanders from Alabama. Now, Jackson Player, the one that was uh, people were really hoping for, he's from uh, Waco, Texas. He was a Tulsa defensive lineman. Uh, he was really thinking about Arkansas, but he chose Baylor over Arkansas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and TCU. So going back home, like we talked about, he wanted to go. He's from Waco, so wanted to go home to Waco. And so Arkansas has got to find um, possibly another defensive lineman to uh, to make up for that. But still, those four, those are your four players. And, and just think about it with, with McLaughlin, McLaughlin, uh, you lost defensive backs, two of them to LSU. You took theirs. I already think that this guy is going to be just fine and probably play a more of a significant role than what the other guys did anyways. Now, will he be the, the number one cornerback? Is he going to play more than nickel? You know, what where are they going to put him at? That's going to be determined by Barry Odom and the coaching staff and, and of course, Sam Carter. But again, it goes back to the whole Bama thing. This Drew Sanders kid that was good enough to play at Bama and start at Bama. If this kid is good enough to play at LSU and start at LSU, and I know that they weren't that good the past two years, or at least as good as what they should have been, but still, if he's good enough to be there, he's good enough to be at Arkansas. And he was a highly sought-after transfer. In fact, I was even seeing some of the LSU media members even talking about this. They said that, hey, this is a this is a pretty big loss. Like, this is not a good thing to lose McLaughlin. Like, this is uh, something that he will be missed. And on top of the recruiting class and adding these transfers in, like all four of these guys are big time players, like big time players, high four, sometimes five stars coming out of high school, playing at big time programs where when they're leaving those programs, it's not like Arkansas was their best offer. They had other big time schools coming after them. They chose Arkansas over all of those other big-time programs. Are you kidding me? Once again, is just showing what Sam Pittman has been able to do and the culture that he has built at the University of Arkansas and the athletic program where it's no longer about just having to hope and pray that you have a chance at any of these guys. Sam Pittman's going out and he's getting them. He's getting them and he's selling them on what they got going on at Arkansas. Now, Will all four of these players be all Americans at Arkansas? Man, I hope so. <laughs> that would be great. And even if they're not, like, you know that some of them are going to work out and they're going to address the needs that you desperately need. But on top of all of that, what this clearly shows is that Sam Pittman is building something that's legitimate, building something that's not just last year was the best year, now you're going to taper off a little bit. He's building it into a legitimate program that are it's gaining the attention of a lot of different big time prospects, whether they're in college or coming out of high school. 
And it's only going to continue to build up with the more success that they continue to have on the field. And other people are paying attention too. Like other people see this, they're like, what is Arkansas doing? Why are these kids going to Arkansas? Over Texas, over Oklahoma, over all these other schools? Why Arkansas? There must be something about them that they really got going on. There must be something about them that has a lot of success tied in with it. There's got to be something about it. And that, to me, is what makes it so much nicer is when all these other programs get all the talk, all the praise, all the funny, crazy stuff. You know, they're talking about A&M and their great recruiting class. They're also talking about Ole Miss and <laughs> Lane Kiffin sent on a funny tweet. How about that? Talking about Mike Leach. Yeah, he's a pirate. I talk about LSU. They got Brian Cam, Brian Kelly coming in talking about his family. Like they're gonna, they can talk all about these other SEC West programs all day long. But here's the thing: they're not talking about you because of something wacky or funny. They're talking about you because you're building. They're talking about you because you're actually doing big time things, and they're talking about you because you're going to be a legitimate player in the SEC West. Will you win it? I don't know. I don't think so. It's hard to beat Bama. I mean, I'm not going to try to go on that, but can he be a team that finishes second, third, fourth in that realm next year? Absolutely. Absolutely, you can do that. I can't wait till football season. We're so far away, but I still can't wait for it. It's the New Year's. That means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bill Bar into your plan. It tastes like a candy bar, but actually it's even better because it's healthier than a candy bar. It's covered in 100% real chocolate, and most Bill Bars contain only 100 calories and 4 grams of sugar, while also 17 grams of protein. So here's an idea for your new year to go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever, throw out all the sugary and calorie filled treats and replace them with built bar. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can have something that's also healthy while also being something that tastes pretty amazing with all their different flavors. So go to built.com, use promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, lock 15 for 15% off your next order at built.com. Again, lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so not only did the Razorback football team have some really good news, but the Razorback basketball team as well. Uh, we're kind of waiting and seeing whenever this team, if this team would be able to get it turned around and to find some sort of quality win to add to their repertoire of the uh, Razorback basketball season. Because honestly, like the second half of the Texas A&M game, you still lost that game, but you played better. So maybe there's something you build on that. Missouri, you just completely obliterated and it wasn't even close. And it just kind of made you feel like you were great and you're you're happy about it. But it was like, eh. I mean, is this, is this a real thing? Like, is this actually something that they can build upon? Is, is this, uh, or is this just kind of one of those games, you know, one of those random games? But then you had LSU on the road, which I'll admit, I didn't think Arkansas would win. I, I just didn't, like the way LSU had been playing this year and the fact that they had beaten Tennessee and beaten Kentucky and beaten Florida, three teams that at least two of them are for sure tournament teams in Kentucky and Florida and Tennessee and Florida will see, but they looked really good this year especially defensively, and especially in the fact that they only had one loss on the season, and that one loss was to Auburn. So it was arguably, if not the best team in the country right now. So I just wasn't feeling great about it. <clears throat> and you didn't have Eric Musselman in the game, and we're going to wonder how big of a uh, impact that had. But 
give complete and total credit to the coaching staff, to Keith Smart, and to the Razorback basketball team for getting it done, especially in the second half. Now, it was 65-58 final, so it wasn't a great offensive performance, needless to say. But you had so many good things happen that you haven't been able to do. For one, play defense. You've had now, what is that, two and a half games straight where your defense has been on lock. You held, now LSU, everyone's like, oh, LSU's not a great defensive team or a great offensive team. They play great defense, but not great offense. And LSU was scoring 77 points per game. Their best offense was their defense. And when their defense was great, it turned it into points. Like that's that's just how it works. So yeah, are they like the best jump shooting team? No, but don't give me that stuff about their offense not being great because their offense has the capability of scoring. But yeah, J.D. Note go for 19 points in this game, 7 of 13. He was awesome. Uh, D.C. Tony had 12 points on his own as well. And honestly, the player of the game was Jalen Williams. He had 11 points, 13 rebounds, three steals, one block, one assist, no turnovers. And the best thing about it is he hit that three that essentially was the dagger at the end of the game and uh, gave Arkansas the victory. And it was just a big game out of him. Now, the, the biggest stat, or at least the biggest impact that this game had for Arkansas success was the fact that they were able to go on the final nine and a half minutes, roughly, on a 17-2 to two run. They ended the game on a 17-2 to two run. And the only points that LSU got in that final nine and a half minutes of play was courtesy of a dunk in a wide open lane. That was it. And the other thing to throw into that, and this might be the most impressive thing, is that Arkansas did not foul one time in that final stretch. Not once. LSU did not get sent to the free throw line once. They started the game not fouling for eight minutes, and they ended the game not fouling for nine minutes. And those types of stretches, which I'm very happy and grateful that the referees actually swallowed their whistle and weren't calling everything from right and left. Uh, but there weren't really any calls that I saw that uh, were egregious or that went Arkansas's way or that were beneficial. I'm sure there were, and I'm sure LSU fans probably feel the same way. But still, it doesn't, doesn't change the fact that Arkansas's defense locked down LSU in the second half, especially uh, even when they got down eight points. Like they got down eight points. It seemed like this was about to blow the whole thing open. But then everybody calmed down, they relaxed, they got into their groove, and they ended up getting the victory. And so now you're sitting at two and three in conference play. You have a quad one win, a big time win. You beat LSU on the road. Anytime you win on the road in conference play is big. But when you can beat uh, a team like LSU on the road and you know that you have that return trip home to Bud Walton Arena, that has to make you feel about as good as anything. And so all of that and knowing that these next few games are very favorable. You got South Carolina tomorrow night. You have Texas A&M on Saturday. Both games being in Bud Walton Arena. You'd want to revenge for that A&M game. Uh, you got to go on the road to Ole Miss. Then you have West Virginia in the uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge, which will be a tough one, no doubt. But you have it at home, so that's helpful. And then after that, you go on the road to Georgia. You, ha you have some games here that you can really win, especially getting you set up for that final stretch of the SEC play where it's going to be pretty nasty. So that was huge. And now if you can go on a run, win these next four or five games, heading to Auburn, sitting really pretty with a winning record in conference play and borderline top 25 ranking and all that, that Auburn game being at home on a Tuesday night could get really fun. It could get really good for Arkansas. And it's just a week ago, it changes everything. A week ago, we were coming onto this podcast just saying how bad everything was. 
and how I don't know if this team's going to make the tournament. And, and then here we are a week later where there's been some sunlight shown on the depression of Razorback basketball fans where they have a little bit of light, a little bit of glimmer of hope. And it seems like this team is really starting to figure it out. The most important thing, of course, is defense. And I know that they haven't shot well from three because they didn't shoot well from three in this game necessarily until the very end. Um, but I know it's not been just with this team about not shooting the three well. Uh, there's been times where they haven't made free throws, and that's been problematic too. Like, yeah, those are nitpicking. But the overall problem with this team and the lack of success that they were having was simply chalked up to bad defense. Bad defense. Giving up the giving the other team way too many open looks, way too many threes, way too many uh, drives to the lane, all those things. And now your defense has shored up. And now look at what's happening. Look what happens when your defense is playing at a higher level, playing much better. And I think Arkansas playing a more bigger lineup, especially in the starting uh, side of things and going to close out on those threes a little bit easier and all that, I think has really been helpful. So playing better defense is leading to wins. So it wasn't like there was just this plethora of horrible things going on. It's simple. Play better defense. Play better defense. The results are there. You start winning games, especially winning games on the road. And so huge win for the Razorback basketball team. Uh, I can't wait to see what they end up playing out the rest of the way. It's going to be uh, pretty fascinating to see how uh, with Musselman coming back, he's not going to be back for South Carolina, but he'll be back for AM. and At least that's the rumor. It's a report after his surgery. Hopefully he has a speedy recovery. Hopefully he gets back. But uh, what a what a time to be a Razorback basketball fan from just a week ago. All of a sudden, everybody's feeling a little bit differently than what they did for some reason. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all bets, bet for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC. Write down your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers for 2022. Bet Online has the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So head over to betonline.ag where the game starts. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so the final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, um, you know, we don't really talk a whole lot about the NFL, but I did see some things with the NFL playoffs going on that uh, were kind of cool. You know, like seeing Dre Greenwall play for the 49ers against the Cowboys and him make some tackles and some plays. So, you know, that was obviously really cool. And uh, there's been a couple of entertaining games, like the 49ers-Cowboys games last night was entertaining. I think that the, uh, the, the who was it, the, Raiders and Bengals game was entertaining. Yeah, that was the other one. But the other one's been blowouts. Like the Buccaneers destroyed uh, the Eagles. You also had uh, the game with the Chiefs destroying the Steelers last night. Like it's either been really good games or blowouts, you know, really in the how I guess that's how kind of how the playoffs go. But either way, uh, last night when I was watching the Cowboys game, and then first off, I don't have any dog in this fight. I do not care about the Cowboys or the 49ers. I know a lot of Razorback fans are Cowboys fans, and that's uh, that's a tough go for sure. And so I'm, I don't, I don't like, you know, I don't care. I don't love them. I don't hate them or anything like that. Same thing with the 49ers. Uh, but when I was watching that game last night, though, I saw so many things that were so baffling, 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 baffling. So many things that were baffling. We'll go with that word. That was a good one. 
uh, that from the coach's perspective of Mike McCarthy, that just made me think like how important it is to have good coaching and just a person that's like, you know, you think about offense, defense, special things, but just okay, having it up here, like game management and all those things. And so like at the end of the game, you have the, the Cowboys are down by six points. The game's on the line. There's like nine seconds to go or whatever. No timeouts for the Cowboys. And they run a QB draw up the middle for a good game. But then when he gets tackled, Dak gets tackled. Suddenly the clock is winding down because, again, it's not college. It's the NFL. The clock keeps rolling. They have no timeouts. They try to get up to the line and spike it, and they can't. And the game's over. You know, I see that, and I hear Mike McCarthy talk about analytics after the game. And, you know, sometimes in football, I'm not a football coach. I'm not, I wasn't a college football player or anything. I'm just observing. But I feel like so many times people try to overthink so many things and look at analytics so many times. And it's just, it'll cost you in a lot of games. Like I thought that, you know, Ole Miss had a great year this year. But there were times where Wayne Kiffin, especially against that Alabama game, where I'm like, dude, you're overthinking this, man. Like, there's nothing wrong with thinking about the common way of football and how it should work and when to punt and when to go for it and all those things. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't know what analytics that Mike McCarthy was looking at, but it was just dumb and it was bad. But my point is, is this is not to bring up just the, like the Cowboys game in specific, but my point is, is this is if you're a college football coach, NFL coach, whatever it is, you know, you and to be organized and to be like all on the same page. Where, all right, we're going to run a fake here. And as soon as the fake gets run, if we get it, we're going to go out there. And we're going to run this. Like just to have everything moving and flowing in a very important way is what is going to be the difference between winning and losing a game. Like I think the Cowboys were a better team like last night. But because of their absolute undisciplined gaffes by the coaching staff and by the team, they lost. Like, And now look at them. They're going home and the San Francisco 49ers are moving on. Horrible. And last year with Arkansas, there were times where penalties really hurt them. Like they were a very penalized team. And in the beginning, you saw special teams really hurt them too. But then you saw later in the year, once they shored up those things, the difference that the team was. The talent was still there. You know, the players were still there. The coaching were still there. But when you shored up some of those mistakes and some of those problems, you saw the difference in what it made for the rest of the season. And so that's this thing that's just always is just wild to me is to see, especially coaches in the NFL who get paid a lot of money and, have a plethora of talent. That's what you put together. That's the game plan. That's the playoff uh, mentality that you have. Mike McCarthy needs to go after something like that. That's just pathetic. So just be happy if you uh, get a coach that's able to at least understand that side of the game. Because if you have one that doesn't understand and doesn't know how to execute it, you're going to lose a lot of games regardless of what, how much talent that you actually have. Appreciate everybody listening in to Locked on Ragebacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play and also on YouTube. Check out the YouTube page as well. You can get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you.